So, picking up in Isaiah 55, we're still in this series on faith and prayer. It's interesting because today we watched uh, part four of the week of increase from 2022. What a message. But that message had Isaiah 55 in it. Verse 11 says, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So the word of God that goes out of my mouth, that is the word that cannot return to Father God void or empty. Now, sometimes people have trouble with this, but we find out that God wants us to remind him of his word. Isaiah 43, 25 and 26, I, even I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. And I love this. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. So the Lord himself says, put me in remembrance. And somebody might say, well, I don't understand how that works. Remember that Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So it's not just the fact that these are the words of God that we are rehearsing to him, but we are saying to the Lord the only thing that stands forever. Everything else is falling all around us. It's all falling. So when we put God in remembrance of his own word, it is his word, but it's also truth. Jesus prayed in John 17, 17, Father, thy word is truth. So the word of God is true. God is true. The word of God is good. God is good. So we are putting him in remembrance of that which is true and that which is eternal. And then we know, we've looked at this before, that it is his word that God watches over to perform. Say it out loud. It is his own word, his own word that, God watches over that God watches over to perform. To perform. And if you think about it, we're all like that. You know, Sue might promise the grandkids something. They come to me and I say, well, that's not my problem. I didn't tell you that. <laughs> yeah. See your grandma about that. So he watches over his own word not somebody's theory, idea, or opinion. Jeremiah 1.12, then, then said the Lord unto me, thou hast well seen, for I will hasten, I will hasten my word to perform it. The Amplified says, then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am actively watching over my word to fulfill it. So God's word is true. It's not kind of true, mostly true, often true. God's word is true. And literally, it's the only thing we have that doesn't change, cannot change. So Father God is watching over his word to perform it. So when you speak and confess and rehearse his word, his promises, he's watching over your confession because you don't have coarse language in your mouth, you're not telling vulgar, joke, vulgar jokes, you're not talking about stuff that doesn't matter. I mean, everything is, it's not like totally righteous or totally evil, but a lot of stuff that comes out of our mouths, let's face it, doesn't matter. 
but he's watching over his word to perform it. So when we speak his word, when we confess his word, when we rehearse his word, his, his, that is his promises that relate to our situation, well, he causes his word to come to pass in our life. You know, sometimes I stand up here and <laughs> I just soldier on because I live my life now in a constant state of heartbreak at how these preachers have removed the only thing that matters from their churches, the Bible. It's the only thing that matters. And I think everybody here on a Wednesday night understands, uh, you know, the world would say, you know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, it's all moving in the wrong direction. And it seems to me that sensible Christians should be hanging on to the word tighter than ever. Amen. You know, it just seems to me it should be more important than ever. But it just seems like the church world has just, uh, is just moving further and further from it. Aaron Wood was watching a sermon from a, the son of a famous word of faith minister that Sue and I, I wouldn't say he was a friend, but he was an acquaintance. And, uh, but his son, what did he produce? His son was in a sermon making fun of people doing the daily Bible reading. I, it's just so grievous. It's just so sad. It's either Hosea 4, 6 or 6, 4. It says, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. And so, contrary to what the world says, ignorance is not bliss. And you can be ignorant of the devil's devices, but that, that does not mean the devil's ignorant of you. He is zeroed in. And he has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So Father God is watching over his word to perform it. Not the latest, coolest, greatest thing. God is watching over his word to perform it. So when you speak and confess and rehearse his word, his promises, he causes his word to come to pass in your life. Then we must not forget to take action on the word that we are rehearsing. Deuteronomy 30 verse 14 says, but the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. See the same thing in Joshua 1.8. And then Romans 10, 8, but what does it say? The word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. So the miracle is in your mouth. And we rehearse this periodically because occasionally we teach on confession. But confession is something that we need to be reminded of periodically on a regular basis because we let go of things and Stress, the world, you know, things will pull you off course. Man called me the other day and he was rehearsing his troubles. And he was he then in part of this conversation, he says, now so-and-so called me and said, and I, I said, stop. 
I said, what are you doing? Because I knew the guy that he that had called him. I said, what are you doing talking to so-and-so? <laughs> I mean, and we don't mean to do this. We just get pulled into it. And before you know it, you know, we have something coming tomorrow that's signature required, and so I'll have to take my phone off mute. Normally it's set to mute unknown callers. And whenever I undo that button because of a delivery or something, I get caught. <laughs> Some salesman from somewhere is calling about something, and I, I just hear the phone ring. And you know, it's your instinct to answer it. And, uh, and then I don't want to be impolite, so I have to let them finish. I, I have to wait for them to catch a breath, say, no, thank you, bye. <laughs> but my point is, these devices now have given us a great advantage because, you know, my mom, God bless her, when she was alive, you know, I had a special ringtone for her. So I knew. And... Uh, she never knew that because she didn't never heard my phone go off when she called it. One day, I opened, Sue was standing next to me at my desk at home, and I opened up a certain drawer that I'm never into, and she said, what's that? <laughs> I was embarrassed. It was a blood pressure monitor. She said, what do you have a blood pressure monitor for? I said, well, I said, whenever I get off the phone with my mom, I check my blood pressure. <laughs> So, you know, these situations are to be avoided. Amen. 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 And my point is, when we talk about confession on occasion, or any of these things we talk about on occasion, it's because we need to be reminded of these truths. We don't mean to let go. We don't mean to get pulled off course. We don't mean to let go of what we learned two or three years ago, but things happen, and they aggravate us, or they alarm us, and if we're not careful, they pull us off course. So the creative word of God on the lips of Jesus is the creative word of God on your lips. See, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. You know, by and by in the miracles of the New Testament, we're going to get over into the book of Acts. And the amazing thing in the book of Acts is all they did was what they had seen Jesus do. That's all they did. And what worked for Jesus worked for them. And that's what we let go of. There's a whole clan in this church most Sundays and it's all based on somebody's car breaking down in front of the church up on I-30 and then later that man's father had uh, encephalitis. His unsafe father had encephalitis and then a high, high fever and in the course of that 
convulsions, and in the course of that, damaged his spine. Couldn't talk, couldn't walk. He could just barely shuffle. And I just did what Jesus did. You know, I just did what they did in the book of Acts. We're not making stuff up. Amen. We're just doing what they did. Yeah. G, uh, Peter preached uh, after the healing of the cripple at the gate called Beautiful, men of Israel. Why does this surprise you? And he talked about how that the man was healed by the name of Jesus and faith in that name. And that's all I did. I laid hands on that man. If I remember right, I had to pray for him three times. <laughs> but we got there. Amen. Amen. We dealt with a miracle a couple of Sundays back where some, Jesus himself had to pray for a man twice. And so I figure if, if, if Jesus needed to pray for somebody twice, well, I shouldn't be alarmed if I need to pray for somebody three times. Amen. But literally, that, 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 that miracle dominoed through that family. And there's a whole clan in this church almost every Sunday based on that. And that man's been with the Lord a lot, quite a while. Lived out his life and then he went to be with the Lord. We take these things for granted. But this is the way it's supposed to work. A lady told me two Sundays ago, a man here tonight invited her and her husband to church and you let time go by and she had three relatives being baptized a week ago Sunday and she's telling me this and all the miracles God's doing in her life and her family and I said that's the way it's supposed to work I said you look at what happened at the house of Cornelius it says his whole household got saved you see the same thing with the jailer in Philippi <laughs> he, he's got Paul and Silas in prison and, uh, and they're, they're in an inner cell. What would we be doing? But the Bible says around midnight, they were singing and praising the Lord, pra singing praises to the Lord and the other prisoners heard them. <laughs> and the foundations of the prison shook and the chains fell off and the door swung open. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And of course, the jailer was alarmed. And uh, he and his whole family were saved and baptized. This is the way it ought to work. But we're not creating a new way of doing it. See, I think that that's where the power was lost for the modern American church. I was struck by that message, uh, part four of Week of Increase last year. What a message. But in the, the, the thesis of the message was using Saul, King Saul as an example, that the key to everything is just, just do things God's way. And sitting there today, I told Sue, I said, what happened to us early on, and I think, I think someone that had a big impact on us was James Dobson. And the idea being that to do marriage God's way. And then later when children come to do child rearing God's way. And, and somehow that theme got into my life and into my heart. So, you know, that's the theme of everything here at Faith Christian Center. If, if we'll do marriage God's way, if we'll do child rearing God's way. How about this? If we'll handle money God's way. And everything we do, that's the, that's the basis of it and the theme of it. But everybody's... 
addicted to this thing of doing things the world's way. And you understand now in 2023, the world's not lost, they're insane. Amen. Just do things God's way. There's nowhere in the book of Acts that talks about a Daniel fast. Nowhere in the book of Acts that talks about a prayer chain. Nowhere in the book of Acts that talks about drinking anointing oil. And yet, we've had guest speakers here in former times. They don't come back anymore. But that's what they're hawking. Now, Pastor, you're old-fashioned. You bet. Because my boss goes by the handle, Ancient of Days. So absolutely, I'm old school. And how could anybody figure out a better way of doing things than Jesus and then after him, Peter and John and those folks in the book of Acts? So we're going to do it that way. We're going to handle money the way God says to handle it. Hey Amen. We're going we're to pray for the sick the way the Bible says. Yeah, but... That's not the new thing. Yeah, well, the new thing is, you know, wearing a skirt, and I'm not doing that either. <laughs> Can I get an amen? amen? So the creative word of God on the lips of Jesus is the creative word of God on your lips. See, it's, it has power. It has power. The word of God has power. Most of you only know me in recent years, but I traveled the earth preaching. And uh, I couldn't count the people that I've cast devils out of. Sue was with me one night in Mexico City. I'd, watch, I'd been watching this boy in the evenings, and I knew he had a demon, and I kept waiting for the word to get to him to where he would react and respond and come forward. And finally, about the third or fourth night, he did. I don't remember if it was him or the, the demon-possessed person before him, but one of them, I, I turned to say something to Sue or somebody. I turned, and man, they, they clobbered my interpreter. And I said to Sue, you know, I said, man, we're having a good time in Mexico City tonight. <laughs> you know, it was exciting. But that demon obeyed the name of Jesus. I've never seen it fail. I'm 67 years old. I've never seen the name of Jesus fail. I'm 67 years old, Father. And I have never one time seen the name of Jesus fail. I have never one time seen a demon refuse to obey the name of Jesus. Just do things his way. Unbelievable power is released. So how can I speak his word with confidence? Because his word is mine. It belongs to me. This is mine. Think of the great trouble. I mean, Tyndall was burned to death for translating the Greek into English. <laughs> When, when I, uh, I watched a documentary on that years ago and I felt bad, I thought, I got all kinds of Bibles, but I don't have a Tyndall Bible. His translation, the one he got burned to death for. So 
I went online and I found one. It's expensive. Amen. But, uh, but I bought it. I got it. Amen. I thought he went to a lot of trouble for that. And I wanted to see how certain verses were translated. You don't need to do that. It's online. Amen. But God went to a lot of trouble for us to have the word. And, and think about it, how neglected it is. Austin went to a church growth conference. And if I mentioned the name of the host, everybody would be horrified, famous person. And it wasn't him, but somebody who works for him stood up and said, you know, uh, don't, give the, don't give the references when you mention the Bible. People don't like that. And uh, a couple of verses a message will do. I remember we were watching Betty Price and she mentioned how that she got a lot of hate mail over using too much Bible in her messages. And I wrote her a letter. I said, I said, I watched that message they criticized you about. I said, I thought it was perfect. You know, keep it up, sister. Amen. We're not, we're not working for the devil's crowd. We're working for God. Amen. Amen. Yeah, but you know, the, you know, well, I mean, who gets upset at the Bible? Ask your neighbor, who gets upset at the Bible? Well, lost folk, but see, they can be saved. Amen. I told Austin after we do the miracles of the New Testament, I want to follow that with the parables of Jesus, but I want to begin with a non-parable. It's, it's, it's something Jesus said that everybody assumes is a parable, but it wasn't. He never used personal names in parables. But it's the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And the rich man in hell. Well, there, there's a lot of lessons in that teaching because he was thirsty. If hell's not a real place, why would he be thirsty? Amen. If he didn't have a body to feel what was going on around him, why would he talk to Father Abraham about the flames? I'm in torment in these flames, he said. And I thirst. And then he sought the favor of Father Abraham to let him go and warn his brothers so they would not come to this place of torment. And what did Abraham say? They have Moses and the prophets. They have the word, the word that they had at that point in time. And then think about what Paul said about the foolishness of preaching that God chose this method, the foolishness of preaching. Everything we have is the result of Sue and I sitting in some meeting somewhere and hearing the word or me speaking the word and hearing myself or some other type situation where my ear gates were taking in the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But it doesn't say that the word has to be spoken by somebody else. You can speak the word. Amen. And every time you speak the word, have you ever had anybody tell you a fish story? And every time they tell you the fish story, the fish gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, see, people can repeat a lie to where they believe it. I mean, they can tell it, and, and they believe it. Well, we can do, that's, 
That is this power in the negative. We can use this power in the positive. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But that is, it doesn't say you got to hear it from somebody else. I can hear it from myself. Amen. Amen. I, can, I can say about any given situation what God's word says about it and not <laughs> what, what, <laughs> I'm just amazed at what people believe. I'm truly amazed. People are absurd. Remember when Fauci said to wear two masks? <laughs> it wasn't enough to wear one mask, wear two masks. I'm just amazed at what people believe. Father, lift a hand up toward heaven and say, Father, Father thy word is truth. It's truth, but everyone else's words are completely suspect. Amen. Talk about a grain of salt, we need a pound of salt. <laughs> Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So think about it. Here in this life, what do we have? We have his word. Somebody say, yeah, but pastor, I got the Holy Spirit. If it weren't for the word of God, you wouldn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. So how can I speak his word with confidence? Well, because his word is mine and I am his and he is mine. I belong to him. I belong to his word. His word belongs to me. He belongs to me. If it's in that Bible, it's mine. So prayer, effective prayer is taking his word into the throne room and letting his word come across my lips into his hearing, calling his attention to his own promises. You see, the written word is God's testimony about himself, his son, and his family. But the written word is also a testimony about his old enemy that has sought to destroy the object of his affection, and that is man. People completely underestimate Satan. And they completely underestimate how evil he is. They take things for granted. And what they take for granted ends up biting them later. They don't keep their hands on their children. They don't keep their hands on the direction of the lives of their children. And they're, you know, we're just paying our bills, you know, going to work and paying the mortgage payments, paying our bills. And people underestimate how evil and Satan is, how evil Satan is. And we like to think, I know we're, t we're here in Texas, we like to think all that evil stuff's going on somewhere else. No, it's not. You know, in June, they were doing the drag shows for children in Dallas, Texas. You know, somebody says, this is the Bible Belt. No, no, the belt fell off. <laughs> it's not the Bible Belt anymore. In fact, the, the belt fell off, the pants came down, the skirt went on. <laughs> now, it's a remarkable fact that Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are the testimony they are to this Lord our God. 
and people get hung up when you use the word Jehovah. Jehovah is the King James translation of the Hebrew Yahweh, and we only think it's Yahweh because there were never any vowels attributed to it. No one knows for certain how to pronounce that, but we say Yahweh, that's the Hebrew. King James translation was Jehovah. But 2,500 times, it, just in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, he says who he is. And thousands of years later, his New Testament children don't even know who he is. I'm just going to give you some of these. El Shaddai, Almighty God, the All-Sufficient One, the God who is more than enough. Say it out loud. My God, My God is, more is more than enough. So that means his will for me must be that I have more than enough. I mean, that's who I'm serving. Right? That's who I'm serving. I'm not serving some social worker in Mumbai, India. Amen. <laughs> I'm serving El Shaddai. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. So he said that to Abraham. So that means his will for me must be that I have provision for all of my needs to be met. This, say it out loud. The names of God tell us, the names of God tell us who, he is. who he is. See, man never gave God a name. Let that sink in. Man never gave God a name. God named himself. And he calls himself El Shaddai, and he calls himself Jehovah Jireh, and he calls himself Jehovah Mekadesh. He's the Lord God, my sanctifier. I'm not trying to sanctify myself. He's the Lord God, my sanctifier. So that means his will for my life must be that I be sanctified by him. I can't sanctify myself. I cannot earn my own cleanness in his presence, but with his help, I can walk before him holy, just as he is holy. It's possible. Can you go five minutes and not sin? All right, let's stretch it to 15. Can you go 15 minutes and not sin? Can you go 24 hours and not sin? That's possible. You see what I'm saying? So nobody's making us sin. So what's the difference with the 15 minutes we don't sin and the 15 minutes we do sin? Us. So we can make a determination to walk before him perfectly. <laughs> We're going to fail at that, but that's okay because he's gracious and he's kind and he's merciful. And we have 1 John 1, 9. See, in other words, just because I cannot walk before him perfectly does not let me off the hook on doing my best to walk before him perfectly. Amen. Amen. And then allow yourself to grow. Most people I know don't grow. Jehovah Nisi, he's the Lord God, my banner. I love this one. So that means he will be, that his will for me must be that I win every battle and gain the victory in every situation. And, and I don't really need to use this name that much, but I will here in coming days because when, when I remind him of his name, Jehovah Nisi, the most common time I have done that in my 50 years in the ministry is when I'm dealing with the city of Arlington. When I'm, when, when I'm dealing with the city of Arlington, I'll be, I'll be talking about Jehovah Nisi. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord God, my healer. So that means his will for me must be that I be healed and that I live in, walk in divine health. Jehovah Rohi, I love this. The Lord God, my shepherd, and the God who sees me. He said this to Haggai, not Haggai, Hagar. So that means his will for me must be that like the psalmist wrote in Psalm 23, I shall not want, I shall not be in need, and I am never alone. He sees me. Amen. Jehovah Shalom. He's the Lord God, my peace. So that means his will for me must be that I always have the peace that passes understanding operative in my life. Jehovah Shammah. Something causes me stress, anxiety, concern, turmoil, struggle. I get rid of it. Yeah. Ask my wife. Car, it's gone. Refrigerator, it's gone. Employee, gone. Because I'm serving Jehovah Shalom. So his will for me must be that I live in peace. You don't see me still living in Detroit, do you? No peace in Detroit. That's why I was, I, actually, I was born in the worst part, Highland Park. No, 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 I'm, a, I, I'm, I'm, I'm living in peace. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Because that's who my father is. Amen. So if you're dating, now I'm talking to single people. If you're dating some uproar person, you know, drama, 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 <laughs> that's your word. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you what. Here's, here's something nobody thinks through. If you have drama dating, you are going to have quadruple drama married. Because that, when you get married, they figure they got you. <laughs> Amen. They figure you can't get out of it now, you dumb sucker. <laughs> and so they just ramp up that drama. Amen. I don't like drama. Jehovah Shammah. He is the Lord God, my ever-present help, Jehovah Shammah. So that means his will for me must be that I never feel alone because in point of fact, I cannot be alone because I am in him and he is in me. He is my ever-present help. Jehovah Sid Canoe, he's the Lord God, my righteousness. I can't, I can't be righteous in and of myself. I can't do it. I've tried, I don't know, a million times. I cannot be righteous in and of myself. He is my righteousness. So the very fact that he would call himself Jehovah Sid Canoe means his will for me must be that I stand in his righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, because I have no righteousness of my own to stand in. Now these are the names by which God has revealed himself to mankind. These are the names by which God has revealed his character to us, letting us know who he is. But it's sad to me how few Christians even understand it. Just El Shaddai, the Almighty God. That's what he said to Abraham. I am the Almighty God. I am the God of more than enough. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I got a hold of that, my life changed. Never been the same since. In the New Testament, the Gospel of John is largely Jesus' testimony about himself and his Father. And the problem is we've never given place in our thinking to the importance of the right confession, saying the right thing, because you see the Word of God is God speaking to me and the Word of God is God speaking to you. I could stand up here and give a list and hurt church attendance. It's amazing how many things are in the Bible that people don't look up. I'm very tempted to give you two or three examples, but, you know, I don't want to hurt church attendance, but it's just amazing to me. I see people do things all the time, and the Bible forbids it. Just amazing to me. Nobody ever looked it up. It's in there. You'd be amazed what's in there if you look it up. Just type in whatever you're thinking about doing. <laughs> I could cross the line, but I'm not going to. Amen. So the word of God is God's revelation to me. It's not just this thing here. See, it's, it's not just this thing here. It is God speaking to me. It is mine. It belongs to me. Are you born again? Anybody here born again? Amen. Well, then it's yours. It belongs to you. So many of us wish to demonstrate our faith, that is to prove to our own heart's satisfaction our confidence in the word. Well, let me give you a, a clue on this. Let's, let's go to Romans 10, 8 to 10 and wrap it up with this. Romans 10, 8 to 10. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. Then he goes on. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. But I want you to notice that even in this most important matter of salvation, confession precedes possession. People don't think about these things when they read the Bible. That's why we're to meditate on the Word of God. See, if I just, if I come across that in my daily Bible reading and I just read it, I might miss this. And I'm not saying you have to meditate on every verse every day when you're reading, doing your annual Bible reading, but I'm saying that when you're doing your annual Bible reading or whatever Bible reading you're doing and you come across a verse that catches your attention, assume that's the Holy Spirit. It's a verse, every year when I go through the Bible, I come across, I don't know, at least 100 scriptures and I'm convinced I never saw them before in my life. But that's impossible because of how many times I've read the Bible. But what it is, it's the Holy Spirit arresting my attention on something. And so when I was a young man, I didn't do this, but as I've gotten older, I've, I've stopped. Take some time, meditate on it. Look at what the language says, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Confession precedes possession. Now, if confession precedes possession on, on this most critical thing of getting saved, Maybe we ought to consider the possibility that confession precedes possession on other things. Amen. 
I know this, I know this, <laughs> I know this. We weren't making it till I corrected my mouth. I know that. I know that. And it offends people. Hold your place there. Burke Summer mentioned this verse to me the other day, and this is one of those verses that it grabbed his attention, and I know it, I read it every year, but man, when it came out of his mouth, it grabbed my attention. Hebrews 11, verse 7. Well, let me, let me, I'm going to emphasize the latter part of the verse, but I'll read the whole thing. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Second sentence in verse 7. By faith, he condemned the world. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. That arrested him, and when it came out of his mouth, it arrested me. By faith, he condemned the world. So the world's not going to be happy when you're operating by faith. Amen. You know, we were under construction on that building up at I-30 when the stock market crashed October 1987. There was a real nasty recession followed. A man in the church gave us a uh, small billboard sign to put up. He put it up on the property. We got away with it back in those days. And uh, we put on that marquee sign. The, the one part of it, we could change the letters on. One part was standardized, said Cathedral of Praise. But on the part where we could put letters on, we put on there, we've chosen not to participate in this recession. And you cannot imagine how many angry phone calls we got from people going up or down that highway and seeing that sign and being offended by it. Who do you think you are to not participate in this recession? Everybody's got to participate in this recession. <laughs> no, we've chosen not to participate in this recession. <laughs> now, you fast forward all those years later, isn't that exactly what Pastor Gene did on COVID? Amen. Yeah. I, I stood here and said, Holy Week Revival. Greg Abbott denies that he, he locked us down. But you know, we were locked down. I stood here and preached to an empty auditorium. And uh, I said, it doesn't have anything to do with me. Amen. It's going to pass me right on by. Amen. And remember what I said. I said, anyone who hears these words of mine and believes these words of mine and repeats these words of mine, it'll pass you right on by and it'll have nothing to do with you. Amen. Just didn't participate. Amen. Just chose not to participate. But now don't expect the world to be happy when you do this stuff because it says there in Hebrews eleven seven that by faith Noah condemned the world. And that's why people get upset. Even Christian people get upset when you don't do things the normal way. How come you're not doing things like everybody else? Well, I'm gonna, and th this is offensive. Well, I'm just doing them, you know, God's way. I'm just doing it the way the Bible says. I'm just doing it the Bible way. And I'm telling you what, sister, it really worked out. Hallelujah. <laughs> the trials and the troubles and the valleys and the challenges we have come through. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just doing it God's way. Amen. 
But back over here to Romans 10, verse 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. But the confession comes first. The confession comes first. The confession comes first. And notice then, the confession Jesus is Lord comes first and then believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Now, if we would sit there and we'd meditate on this, the thought might come to us that the believing follows the confession. Faith, and that would make sense, right? Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I made reference to, and I, I need to quit, but I made reference to, it's called illusory truth. And uh, in 1976, I think it was, two universities did a joint study on it. And all this goes back to Adolf Hitler's Minister of Information, Goebbels. You tell the big lie and you repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. Keep it right in front of them. That's why they had all those slogans. They had slogans everywhere, had flags everywhere. It's called illusory truth. And then that leads over to something else called cognitive dissonance. People hear the lie, 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 hear the lie. They believe it. Then when they are presented with contrary evidence, they dismiss the contrary evidence because they've heard and heard and heard and heard and heard this big lie so long, they believe the lie. You see it going on almost in every aspect of our culture in 2023. Things that you know cannot be true, but they are being taught at Harvard. Amen. Things that are impossible to be true, but they're being taught as truth at the most expensive universities in America. The big lie. And how do they pull it off? It all goes back to Goebbels. Repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, and people will come to accept it. So they are using a principle of God for evil. Amen. And that's why, you know, having your children here, Easter and Christmas doesn't work. It's not enough. You being here, of course, this doesn't apply to you here tonight, but people being here Christmas and Easter, that doesn't work because it's not enough. We need to hear the word and hear the word and hear the word. And this is my heartbreak. I live in this constant, constant state of heartbreak because people go to church. A man told me somebody that they witnessed to was in church three years before the church gave an altar call. And as soon as they gave the altar call, this person that they had witnessed to gave his life to the Lord. Three years. Three years wasted spiritually Amen. because the opportunity should have been there the whole time. But that's true with all these verses. Healing, the names of God, Jehovah Rapha. It's true with money, Jehovah Jireh, El Shaddai. See, if you don't know it, you can't believe God for it. Amen. So whose agenda is it to keep the people of God ignorant? Is that, God, is that God's agenda or is that Satan's agenda? 
It's got to be Satan's agenda. Amen. Lady came up to me about five years back, and uh, they had moved off to another town, and I, I hadn't seen her in years. And they were, she was here. They were, the family was here, I guess, on business or vacation or something. And and she came up after the service, and it was like, whew, that was her posture, her vocabulary, everything about her was like, whew. she said, you have no idea how wonderful it is to come back here. And she said, it's a new building. It's a new property. She said, you're a little grayer. But she said, literally, other than that, nothing has changed. Amen. She says, it's the same word. And you know what she said? She found that comforting. Because, you know, Pastor Jean wasn't wearing a skirt and we weren't, you know, doing the latest, newest thing, amen? amen. To try and get what? A crowd. If you do that stuff to get a crowd, what kind of crowd are you going to have? A church is supposed to be full of what kind of people? God's people. Yeah, but what about the lost? That's why we give altar calls. That's why we preach the word. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see the same thing in Isaiah? Is it Isaiah? Paul actually re rehearses this in the New Testament. How can, they, how can they be saved unless they hear? How can they believe unless they hear? How can they hear unless someone preaches? And how can they preach unless they are sent? This is God's system. The foolishness of preaching. And it all goes back to that non-parable parable, the rich man Lazarus, because Abraham said to the man in hell, your brothers have Moses and the prophets. And it's kind of a brutal reality. But we believe or we don't believe. But once you believe, I mean, think about all those names of God. You're going to settle on one and quit? I want to know all of them. Amen. To me, living for God is Christmas every day. I don't, I don't, if there's 20 things under the tree with my name on it, I don't want one. <laughs> I want them all. Amen. Right? Amen. And not only that, I'm going to be enthusiastic getting into them. <laughs> Amen. I'm not going to be nonchalant. I want what's mine. And somebody might say, I had somebody tell me once, that's mercenary. I said, well, you know, if somebody dies and you're named in the will, you're going to want to know what's yours. I said, why, why do people act all silly when it comes to the things of God? If it's mine, I want it. If it belongs to me, I want it. If it's got my name on it, I want it. Amen. And I don't want part of it. I want all of it. Can I get an amen? 